This has come to the table. Bible studies from the New Testament Christian Church of Cheyenne. These studies are presented every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at our church at 3800 East Pershing Boulevard in Cheyenne, Wyoming. If you'd like to contribute to these studies, you can make a donation at www.myntcc.org backslash Cheyenne WY dash giving. Proverbs chapter 3, continuing our study on the subject of wisdom from the book of Proverbs. Now, last week, last week, we got all the way down through verse 10, and we're just going to nail down a couple loose ends in verses 5 through 10, and then we'll move on to verse 11, a little bit new material. But he says in verse 5, we spoke about how he Now, having talked about wisdom, he begins to share some actual wisdom with us in verse 5 of chapter 3, where he says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. So this begins the core of our teaching in this chapter. We're going to try to get through the whole chapter. Perhaps, probably will not make it, but we'll make a valiant effort. He says, trust in the Lord. Okay, well, how? With all your heart. That's how. It's an unreserved and a complete, wholehearted trust and faith in Almighty God. And and for everything. For wisdom, for instruction, for righteousness, for salvation. For everything that He has to offer. That's how we should trust in Him. And He goes on even to say to acknowledge Him. To acknowledge Him in all our ways and He will direct thy paths. Well, this warrants a little bit deeper examination beyond just a quick read and then a pass it by. He says to trust in him with all our heart. Well, why? Why should I trust in a God that I have never seen and have never heard his voice with my own ears? Why should I trust in him with all of my heart, even to uh, leaning not to my own understandings. You want to take that whole sentence, uh, you want to take that whole sentence, uh, well, as a whole sentence, as a complete thought. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Now, you, you could take that and run to an extreme, but that's not necessarily what we're looking to do. And what I mean is, We have human understanding and we have human reasoning. We have the ability to think and we have an intellect, all of which has been given to us by God. Amen? Well, why? Why should we not lean to our own understanding? We've been given an intellect. We have a brain. Christians, as much as we come under scrutiny for denying science, even when we don't, because we don't, just the stuff that's falsely so-called. You know, we still have a mind. And when we became Christians, He didn't require us to take our brains out of our head and just pack them in a box somewhere and, and walk around like, oh, I'm a Christian. I don't have to think anymore. I just live by faith. <laughs> no, it's not how we're supposed to be. But for all of our marvelous, and I'm not being sarcastic when I say this anyway, I'm not being sarcastic. For all of our marvelous intellect and our tremendous intellectual power and our, our ability to gain wisdom and, and our and understanding and our and all of this for all of our divinely endowed reason because we have that the animals don't they have a rudimentary intelligence some more some less but no other creature on the earth possesses the intellect that mankind does 
It's part of our design. That's not, us, that's not me boasting on the human race. That's me giving glory to God because He made us and He made us in His image. But for all of that, our intellect and our reasoning and our understanding is still very much finite and it is still subject to limitation, isn't it? Because we started out from nothing, didn't we? You're born into the world. We're all born into the world as babies, blessedly, for our mother's sakes. You know, we're born into the world as babies and we know nothing. We understand nothing. We start out from blank zero and then we have to gain understanding from there. We have to learn from there. And that happens in stages all throughout our childhood and then uh, all the way into our adolescence and then all the way into adulthood. We continue to learn and add to our knowledge and to our understanding. But for all of that, if we live 100 years, if we live 120 years, and some people have, we're never where God is in terms of understanding, are we? So we started from nothing and had to add to our understanding. God started at infinite and has possessed a perfect and complete understanding about all things from before the beginning, from before the foundations of the world. And so when we run up against the limitations on our own understanding, and many times even before we hit those limitations, we are instructed in this book of wisdom, we are instructed to trust in the Lord with all our heart and to not lean on our own understanding. And we see this or rather we have the opportunity to exercise and to practice this many, many times throughout life. And usually we use as a reference for this sort of thing, you know, trials and struggles and tribulations and problems and things that we all go through, whether it's interpersonal problems or whether it's medical problems or money problems. Human lives are full of problems all of the time, okay? It's like, you got problems? Yes, you do. You're, you're a bag full of problems. So am I. So is everybody else. That's just part of living on the earth, okay? But when we trust in the Lord, those problems do not overwhelm us. And even when they threaten to overwhelm us, we can recall this verse. And it is critically important to remember this verse because it is from the inspiration of God Almighty. Trust in the Lord when you don't understand why things are coming apart. Trust in the Lord when you don't understand why someone's health is not getting better. You trust in the Lord when there's more month than there is money uh, to get by. You trust in the Lord no matter what, and lean not unto thine own understanding. And then right after that, it's in the same teaching, verse 6, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And the key phrase in that is, in all thy ways. Not just half of them. Well, I trust God in matters of money, but I don't trust God in matters of personal conduct. Okay, well, why would we trust him in one thing and not in everything else? Now, people, people warrant that kind of trust a lot of times. You can trust them for one thing or maybe three things or maybe ten things, but 11, 12, and 13 you cannot trust them with because they've already established a, a pattern of behavior maybe in that particular area. Uh, as heard it described once in a story somewhere, it's like, well, I can't trust them to be trustworthy, but I can trust them to be who they are. 
And that wasn't a compliment in that person's case because they were a genuinely untrustworthy person. So it's like, well, let's say that such a person's name is Jeff, just for the sake of example. It's like, well, Jeff is a terrible person and I don't trust him any further than I could throw him. But I can trust Jeff to be Jeff. You know what that means. That kind of carries a, a slant to it. It's like, I can, in other words, I can trust them to drop the ball or I can trust them to be dishonest or I can trust them to... Uh, I can trust them to show up two hours late to their day job every single day, you know, or, or however it may be. People sometimes earn conditional trust, but God has never, has never been conditional in His promises as far as where trustworthiness is concerned. If you can trust God in anything at all, you can trust God with everything in your life. And I mean positively everything. Now that doesn't override the free will decisions of other people, okay? So, so well, I trusted in the Lord with all my heart and uh, my marriage still fell apart. Well, okay, well, that wasn't God's fault. That was probably the other person's fault and maybe your fault or maybe one of you's or both of you's fault. So you see where we're going with there. And that was just low-hanging fruit as far as using an example. But where God is concerned, God is always trustworthy. He says, acknowledge Him in all thy ways. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. That means everything from great to small. And some believers only trust Him for the great things, but they absolutely do not acknowledge Him in any of their smaller ways. And that's why you never see any kind of growth in their life. But some kind of crisis comes their way, well, at least they'll pray then. But then there are some believers that have it the other way around there. And they'll, they'll trust Him in all of the small and comparatively insignificant matters, but then something big comes down the pike and it blows them clear off the map. And then you can't even find them anymore. They don't even answer their phone anymore. It's like, we're told to acknowledge Him in all of our ways. And then He will direct our paths. When we trust Him completely, when we trust in Him with our entire heart, that's when He'll direct our paths. Because, well, let me ask you this question. Have you ever at any time in your life ever given advice to someone who then didn't take the advice? You know, they, maybe they wanted your advice. Maybe it was free advice. You can't blame them if they didn't ask. Okay, so let's say they came to you for advice. You gave them advice, and then they just didn't do it. Well, how did that make you feel as an advisor? It kind of made you wonder. Well, what in the world did they bother asking me for? You know, they came to me. Well, a lot of times they come asking not for advice. They they'll ask for advice. What they really want is for you to agree with whatever they already have uh, planned in their head. That's the motive of a lot of people when they seek counsel. They're not really seeking counsel. They're seeking um, affirmation for what they're already thinking. But when you gave advice and then that person didn't heed it, well, you didn't really feel all that inclined to give them any more advice, did you? Because it's like they're just going to blow me off anyway. Why should I bother taking time to sit down and hear about their, their issue and then give them some kind of counsel? Well, when we acknowledge God in all of our ways and when we trust Him in all of our ways and when we trust Him with all of our heart, even to the excluding when necessary, even to the exclusion and subjugation of our own understanding, well, then, of course, God is going to direct our paths because we're, we are then demonstrating, we're showing Him 
I am willing, Father, I am willing to do whatever you, your word, tells me to do in this situation. Well, then he'll test that. He'll test that by showing you. Show you from the word. Because the word says, okay, this is your situation. The word says this. The word says this. And the word says this about it. Okay? Well, then that's going to test exactly how much we trust in the Lord. Whether we do, in fact, trust in him with all of our heart. And whether we, even to the subjugating of our, willing subjugation of our own understanding unto his word. Because now have you ever received advice or counsel from someone at any time in your life that you, you asked for and it was given to you and it was sound advice, all right, but you found that you weren't too excited about following it. Oh, yeah, because that's, that's always the test. That's always the test. It's like, uh, well, pastors see this happen all the time, but parents as well and, and doctors and, and people, learned people that know their particular field. People seek them for counsel. What should I do? This is my situation. What should I do? And they say, okay, well, you ought to do this. You know, depending on what it is. The doctor gives you advice, take this pill and call me in the morning or change your diet and stop eating the bag nasty that we were joking about from McDonald's because it's going to clog your arteries or, or whatever, it's, whatever it actually does to you. And, and I'm not saying that because I'm still eating too much of that junk myself. So lest I be a hypocrite, I shall freely confess. But all this just by way of an example, you know, or the pastor says, well, the word of God says this, because that's what a pastor does is he points you to the word. He takes you to the word and then he prays and he encourages you to pray. OK, so he's not just up here, uh, standing up here, throwing out rules, do this, don't do that. But he'll show you from the word of God. The Lord says this about it. And then you thought. I don't think I like that. I don't think I like that advice at all. Okay, well, what then? Do you remember in the Gospels when all the disciples, it was after Jesus? No, was it after Jesus was risen again? All the disciples, or a bunch of the disciples were, not all, but a bunch of the disciples were out in a boat, they were fishing. They toiled all night long and caught nothing. Let down their nets, pulled up empty nets put their nets down again, pulled up empty nets again, maybe picked up some branches or a boot or something. I've done that. Had nothing. Came near to the shore and Jesus was there and said, put the net down on the other side of the ship. Now you want to talk about an exercise and let's see how much you trust in the Lord with all your heart. These were professional fishermen. These weren't weekend warriors. These were the men, these men were, they earned their living from catching fish and selling them and also ate from that as well, which, you know, people ought to be able to do. You know, just enjoy the fruits of their labors. And so Jesus said, just put the net down. And a bunch of professional fishermen are like, this is the same water. It's the same boat. We've been there all night and caught nothing. What's putting the net down on the other side of the boat going to do? It's not like the boat was three miles wide. It's going to make a, any kind of a difference. But Peter said, this is what I loved. We, we judge Peter a lot because he had foot and mouth disease, you know, saying inappropriate things and, and just ignorant things. But Peter had the right attitude. He said, Nevertheless, at thy word, we'll do it. 
He did not lean to his own understanding in this particular matter. This is probably going to take up our whole teaching tonight, but that's all right. God knows. And it's critically important that we, that we grasp this as believers and then not just grasp it, but exercise it, practice this. Peter said, I'm going to set my own understanding of what my own trade is. And I'm going to take Jesus at his word, we're going to put down this net over on the other side of the boat. Now, maybe he did it with a bad attitude. Maybe he did it with a good attitude. Maybe he just did it mystified like, I really don't think this is going to work. I really don't think it's going to work. Same boat, same water. I've been doing this all my life. I know how to fish. But whatever Jesus said to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And they put down the nets. And you know what happened if you read that account in the Gospels. They had so many fish in that net, they couldn't get it into the boat. All because they were willing to trust the Lord and not lean to their own understanding. You can't go wrong. You personally cannot go wrong when you trust God and when you do what He says. Because He's the Lord. Amen? He's the Lord. He's the general. He's the one writes the marching orders. He's the one, and not that that's you know necessarily how the relationship is. He's God in heaven is our Father, and so we are His children. And and the Lord Jesus Christ, His Son, is our Savior and and our supreme friend. And so that warrants a measure of trust just right there. But but there we have it. In all Thy ways, great and small. Big things, little things, insignificant things, things from things as, 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 as big as our financial security to things as small as our wardrobe. Yes, no kidding. I dare you to read 1 Corinthians. I dare you. Everything from great and small. And then this is his promise. He says, if you acknowledge him in all of your ways, he will guide your path. He will direct you. He will say, that's probably not a good idea, son. He really does care about you and your life, no matter what degree, no matter how small the affair is. Because more than one of you have raised children, haven't you? Or at least been a child. When your little three-year-old comes up to you with a broken toy, it's a $2 piece of plastic. It is of no intrinsic value, but to your precious child, that thing means the world because they love it. You gave it to them and they love you and they love it and, and they, they get joy from it. And so it's important to them. Well, you know, kind of heartless parents like, ah, forget that trash, just throw it away. It's like, fix your child's toy, you know? You don't even have to tell a parent that because they know, they love their child. And it's not about the toy, it's about the child. Not to the child, it's about the toy. Not that our problems are as insignificant in that, but in light of eternity, they're pretty close, aren't they? They really are. Your flat tire on your 25, 35-year-old Ford Escort you know, in light of all the wealth and blessings of heaven and the spiritual things that God seeks to fill your life with that bring you peace and enlightenment and joy and wisdom and knowledge and understanding and all of that. It's like, 
Not that big a deal. But, you know, when it's your Ford Escort and you got a flat tire, it's kind of a big deal, isn't it? It's kind of a big deal. When you acknowledge God in all of your ways, He'll direct your paths. When you acknowledge Him in all your ways, He'll direct your paths. And they spent pretty much the entire Bible study on this, but we'll, we'll cruise through the next three verses. We, we actually were able to teach this last week, and, but, but we, it was sort of quick because we were trying to conclude and wrap it up. But right in the next, right in the next paragraph, beginning in verse 7, he says, be not wise in thine own eyes. Well, that just ties right into what he, what he said prior to that about trusting in the Lord with all your heart, not leaning to your own understanding. He says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil and it shall be health to thy navel. That's the Old Testament English that he uses here. And marrow to thy bones. Well, what's that mean? That sounds silly, but it means it's good for you. It's good for you to fear the Lord, to reverence the Lord, and to depart from evil. And it's even better for you, especially if you're a born-again believer, it's even better for you to avoid evil altogether so you don't have to depart from it. You weren't wrapped up in it to begin with. You, you understand what we're saying? Because let me tell you something about evil as uh, not as something that happens to you, like someone stole your wallet or, uh, uh, or, or knifed your tire or something like that, but evil as something that you allow allow to have influence over you and, and, and coerce you or entice you, rather. That's how it usually is, is enticement. You allow it to influence you and entice you into some kind of act or behavior that is uh, intrinsically evil, harmful, destructive, against the Word of God and therefore against the will of God. Evil is a trap. It is a trap. And you think of it like a bear trap. Not some little mouse trap, a little piece of cheese. You know, a little wire thing that goes smack, although it's deadly enough for a mouse. But, but I always imagine it as something a lot more vicious than that. You know, something that can hurt a human. You know, a bear trap. It's that ring, that, that ring thing with the teeth all around it. I mean, it just looks like something that'll kill you, you know, in an instant, even though it doesn't. But it sure stops you cold, doesn't it? That's what evil is like when it entices you, when it when it says you really want this and I'll let you have it if you'll just do this, you know, or however it is that it, however it is that it that it speaks to the person and, and and tempts them to do something that is wrong or to commit to some kind of a path that is wrong. Well, then what happens is it snares you, and then you can't go anywhere except where that trap lets you go. Well, he says here in verse seven. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Well, how can I depart from evil if it's like a trap and it's got me by the spiritual leg, so to speak? Jesus said, if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out. For it is better that you should enter maimed into the kingdom than for thy whole body to be destroyed in hell. And then he said, and if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off. For it is better for you to enter maimed into the kingdom than to enter bodily whole into hell and be destroyed in hell. I paraphrase that a little bit, but I got pretty close to the exact wording in the King James English. So, well, what was the lesson there in the Gospels when he said that? It is better to sacrifice something to get free of it if it's a trap and it's destructive than it is to hold on to it and let it destroy you and send you into a Christless eternity. 
He's not talking about literally ripping your eyeball out of your head. Okay? The only people that do that are on meth and are having a bad trip. Okay? And he doesn't mean to literally whack your right, your right hand off of your body. What he was saying, what Jesus was saying here, and this ties directly into the lesson of verse 7. Okay? And we'll conclude with this, I think. What he was saying here was... If you're trapped by something and it's destroying your life or it's destroying your Christianity and a sin will do that, evil will do that, and it'll do it in short order if you let it, you be willing to chew your own leg off to get out of that trap, so to speak. He says, fear the Lord, depart from evil. Well, give me an actual example of what that means. All right, well, goodness, there's so many. What's the best one to use? If you can't control what you watch on your TV and you find yourself as a believer sitting in front of that idiot box every single night watching a bunch of filth and garbage uh, that, that is poisoning your soul, you are in evil's snare. And so pull that if you can't control that thing pull it off the wall sell it to some other sucker or do like that writer said strip the insulation off the wire and wrap it around a spike and plug it back into the wall see what blows and how far it's like well you might feel an absence there i don't know what to do without my television hey i know i grew up in front of the idiot box i did that was like the major thing for our family to do all the time Dad went to work, kids went to school, mom managed the house. We all came home, we all ate dinner as a family. Praise God, we at least got that right. But then after that, everybody sits in front of the stupid idiot box and drools for three hours or for an hour and a half or whatever watching a series of sitcoms. And then we all went to bed a little bit dumber than when we got up that morning. And I'm not saying that those were intrinsically evil, but you know what's on TV nowadays. You judge. You know there's a lot of things that are on there. The vast majority of the stuff that's on there really promotes stuff that is ungodly and really promotes stuff that is destructive in so many ways to our society and to families and to everything else. And so that's kind of some low-hanging fruit. That's an easy example. Let me grab a, a little bit lower-hanging fruit, okay? Well, I'm in this committed relationship with, a, with this man or with this woman, depending on your sex. Get that right. you know. And we're living together. But I know that it's wrong because the Bible talks about not getting involved in that unless you're, gonna, unless you're married to that person. You shouldn't be living with someone unless you're married to them or their blood family or whatever. Or, you, know, you understand what we're saying you know, because of the temptation to the flesh and fornication and all of that. But but I just don't have the money to strike out and get my own place. I would sleep in my car before I shared a home with a woman that I wasn't married to if I were a single man. I would absolutely do that. I would sleep in my car. Well, it's the dead middle of winter. I can't do that. I would sleep down at the Camilla shelter before, that, before I did that because... Well, it isn't fornication if you're not actually having sex. Yes, that's true. You're right. But then there's testimony. There's the avoiding the, even the appearance of evil. And then 
Well, they're my girlfriend, they're my boyfriend. Well, we're, good. we're planning on getting, we're engaged. We're engaged. Like, that's such a farce nowadays. You know, we've been engaged for five years. Why? So if you're, if you five years and you can't put it together to say I do, what are you waiting for? Really? I mean, let's just rubber meets the road this, you know? Why live in that kind of frustration for that long? Yeah, I understand if you've got, you're on some contract job over in Iraq for five years, then yeah, I can understand that. But it's like, you're living in the same house. You're already playing house. If you're a believer, you need to make that legit or you need to get out of there or get them out of there, depending on who owns the place or whose name is on the lease. And so you see how people, how people in their unwisdom, in their unwisdom, they, they so complicate their lives that they get themselves bound up in situations where there's no easy out. It's a complicated out or possibly a painful out. But wisdom says, fear the Lord, depart from evil. So, all right, all right, well, maybe it's a situation that's just, you know, there's many kinds of situations. So maybe it's something that you can't get out of fast but you can at least get the ball rolling, right? So you got two men that are married to each other, right? Because this is modern America, don't you know? Or two women that are married to each other. And then one of them gets saved and gets delivered from their sins, which means delivered from that too. Well, uh uh-oh, America's made things super complicated now because the Supreme Court decided that it wanted to step into something that had absolutely no jurisdiction at all whatsoever and declare that a man and a man can be married. Okay? Not trying to get down the political road, but this is, this is truth. And I'm not going to back down from it. But so now they've got an actual binding contract called a marriage. Well, how do you extract yourself from that? If it were me, I'd throw my stuff in a suitcase, grab a car, and get gone that instant. Now, it might take a little while and a lawyer and all that to get all the paperwork and all of that for the sake of legality to get a divorce or an annulment or whatever they use to, whatever two people of the same sex use to extract themselves from that kind of a situation. But I would do whatever I had to do, I'd get that ball rolling. So, well, is that lawful? Can I divorce my, my gay spouse? It was never a real marriage to begin with. Marriage is a man and a woman. It's a man and why do you call me a bigot? I do not care. Make a sign. I'll hang it around my neck. I know my heart. I'm no bigot. There's no hatred in me for the people involved in those situations. But that situation itself is an abomination according to the word of God. And so it was never binding before God to begin with. Now, it might be binding in a court of law, again, thanks to the Supreme Court and their gross overstepping of their authority, but or jurisdiction or whatever you want to call it, but it was never binding before God. Get out. Set yourself free. Get out of that. Run like Lot from Sodom. Run and don't look back. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. When you do that, you're also acknowledging God in all your ways. And He will also direct your paths in that. And He will move heaven and earth, if He must, to open up a path 
for you to escape, to get your leg out of that bear trap, even if it costs you your leg. Let God give you another leg. He can do it. He can do it. If your right eye offend thee, pluck it out. If your right hand offend thee, cut it off. If you're caught in the trap of evil, depart no matter what the cost is. Depart no matter what the cost is because your soul hangs in the balance. Thank you for listening to Come to the Table, Bible studies from the New Testament Christian Church of Cheyenne. Included in these presentations are red-letter studies on the life and teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ, historical studies on the Old Testament, topical studies on biblical doctrines, and practical studies on Christian life. If you enjoyed this presentation, you can support our efforts by contributing at www.myntcc.org backslash Cheyenne WY giving.